My name is Joseph Siani, a.k.a. Joey Dots. I'm 35 years old. Today is sometime in September 2023. And I want you to know more about how I grew up and why I became the person I am. My mom had me when she was 16 years old with a guy she had hooked up with in high school. I was born while she was 16. Five days later, she turned 17. Our birthdays are five days apart. And for the first 10 years of my life, I lived in various neighborhoods until I ended up in this trailer park in Newark, Delaware. It's Timber Lane. Not that that really matters, but I, where we lived with my mom, my stepdad, my brother, and my sister, and we had various dogs until I was about 10 years old. I never felt like I belonged in that environment. I really never felt like I belonged in the trailer park. I always felt out of place. I always felt like I wasn't supposed to be here. Like, why, why am I living in this poor trailer park? You know, it was real shitty. I hated it. I hated it from the beginning. I hated living in the trailer park, and there's no shame in me saying that. There's plenty of nice trailer parks. It's a good life for many people. It just wasn't for me. For the first seven years of my life, I thought that my stepdad was my biological father. Until one evening, my mom sat my brother and I down and said, Hey, the guy who's been raising you for the past five years, he's not your dad. That's actually your stepdad. Your real dad now, apparently, wants to be a part of your life. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? What? I was so thrown off guard. I didn't understand. I was confused. I was like, what? Well, why hasn't he been a part of my life? Well, turns out he was on drugs. He was addicted to many, many drugs. He didn't want to be a dad. He didn't want to take care of me. He didn't do anything for me, but I guess he got sober and he demanded he would get me, you know, one weekend or every other weekend for almost a year. So then I was forced to have to go over his house, his trailer, almost every other weekend with basically a stranger, sleep there, and I hated it. I'm like, well, oh, now all of a sudden you want to be my dad. And it's not like me and my stepdad got along perfectly. It was just a really shitty situation. I felt hurt. I felt betrayed, lonely. I wondered why doesn't he want to be a part of my life? You know, why did it take this long? I hate it being poor. I hate it being on welfare and food stamps. I hate it being surrounded by people who are not really doing much with their life. There are a lot of good people in the trailer park, but there's also a lot of fucking morons. There's a lot of fucking idiots out there. There's a lot of people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about, who are wasting their time, who are milking the government, who don't do a damn thing, and they're stupid as hell. There's a lot of them. There's also a lot of smart really intelligent people in the trailer park. But I hate it being around the morons. <laughs> There's a lot of wasted potential in the trailer park. And that's what I saw. And I didn't want to be like them. I saw it. I saw them. But I was like, I, I cannot, I can't be like that. This can't be my life forever. Struggling to pay bills all the time, being obese or just, just being a raging alcoholic or a raging drug addict, uneducated, just disgusting stink you know stereotypical trailer park shit from a young age i was different i was different in the sense that i would wake myself up in the second grade get dressed and get my school stuff together and then walk to the bus stop my brother had to always be woken up or, or something like that but i was pretty much i i don't want to say i fully raised myself but i kind of raised myself for many years of my life. My mom had a lot of trauma. She had me at 16 years old, so what do you think she's doing? She's like 21, 22, 23, trying to raise, you know, three kids. My brother's two years younger than me and my sister's about five and a half years younger than me. It just was a, it was not the ideal environment. It's definitely not the way I want my kid to grow up. When I was in fifth grade, my mom and stepdad, they finally got divorced and my mom moved to her own apartment. And long story short, my mom tried to commit suicide by taking a bunch of pills. And when you're nine years old, and my mom picked me up from school, drove me to a hospital, and I'm looking at my mom with tubes coming out of her 
mouth and nose and she's unconscious and they had to pump her full of charcoal and whatever other stuff they had to do. And this, this day changed my life forever. One of the reasons is I felt betrayed. Why are you trying to commit suicide? You're just going to leave me here to fend for myself? My mom had demons. She had trauma, which I'll talk about later. But when you're a kid, you don't realize that. And all I thought about was, who the fuck's going to take care of me? Who's going to, you know, what's happening? So my grandmother, my mom's mom, my mom, I call her my mom, Donna Cyani, R.I.P. Donna Cyani. She said, I'll take Joe. I'll take Joey. He come live with me in my one-bedroom condo, me and him. And my brother went and lived with my pup-up, pup-up Sammy, who was my mom's former husband. They got divorced when my mom was a kid. And then my, my sister went and lived with my stepdad because that was her biological father. So this changed the trajectory of my life. From there, we all split up. My mom went and did whatever crazy shit she was doing, dealing with her demons, or not dealing, I should say, suppressing her demons with more drugs and whatever other chaos she was doing. And and I went on to live with my mom. And I got out of the trailer. Woohoo! <laughs> now I'm going to live in a, in a one-bedroom condo. Well, we started off in a two-bedroom condo with my mom's second husband, Harry. Who, shout out to Harry, RIP, too. Harry was cool, but he was a... Um, you know, he had his own his own issues. But eventually my mom basically left Harry and from fifth grade till the end of eighth grade, it was my mom and I, my mom slept in the living room and she gave me the bedroom because she, she did everything for me. I, I miss my mom so much, so much. And it was great. I made a lot of friends during that time. I learned how different my mom and my mom's routines were. My mom, all she cared about was making sure I was good for school, dropping me off at the bus stop, taking me to baseball practice, making sure I had lunch money or lunch, signing permission slips when I needed. I didn't have to wake her up at six o'clock in the morning because she didn't do it when it was on the table. And I had a lot of freedom. My mom, as as crazy as she is and, and was, she was also kind of strict. She was paranoid that I was going to get abducted or somebody was going to give me drugs. And I, It was very bizarre. So there were a lot of rules when I was living in the trailer park. But now that I live with my mama, my mama, she grew up in the 50s. She was like, eh, you're good. So I had so much freedom. But because of this lifestyle that I live with my mom, my mom put this paranoia in me. I... I was like, hell yeah. So I, I was able to stay out as late as I wanted. I didn't really have any rules. I, I, I went over my friends. I made friends in 1998 that I'm still friends with to this day, 2023. I mean, we talk on a daily basis, weekly basis. I see them all the time. I love those guys. I, I was happy to be moving in with my mom because I hated living in the trailer. I hated, I hated the yards with the grass and then the dirt patches. I hated being around people drinking all the time and doing drugs. As a little kid should not be surrounded that type of environment. You should not be surrounded by morons getting wasted all the time, talking crazy, just dirty. Moving in with my mom was best thing that ever happened to me, if I'm being completely honest. And that's no offense to my mom. She knows it, and that's why she wanted me to go live with her. My mom was so organized, regimented, dinner schedule. I miss my mom so much. She died 10 years ago in... in um, 2013 from cancer and I, I just wish she could see me today I, I I wish that my mom could see how far I've come and everything that I've done to get where I'm at I I just I miss her so much she truly changed my life I wouldn't be the person I am today without Donna Marie Sihani excuse me She was amazing. She was amazing. She always put me first. Unlike where I was living. I love you. I miss my mama. I miss her so much. I just, just wanted to make her proud. That's all I wanted to do. Is I wanted to make my mama proud. I just wanted to show her. I wish she could see me. So she knows all the sacrifices she made. 
when I was younger, when she took me in, were not for nothing. They were not for nothing. And that I'm doing it. I'm, I'm everything you taught me, I'm doing it. I'm applying it. And I'm, I'm creating the life that I wish I had when I was a child. That's my ultimate goal is, is I wanted to create the life that I always dreamed of having all those nights sitting in my room, feeling like a victim, feeling like no one cares about me, wondering why my dad didn't want to be a part of my life, wondering why my mom doing all this crazy stuff, trying to commit suicide. And I want my mom to know that everything she did worked, at least for me. It worked on me. In the ninth grade, so we were living in this one-bedroom trailer, and then eventually my brother PJ and my mom came and lived with us. So there's four people in a one-bedroom condo. And my mom was like, oh, we can't do this shit anymore. And she doesn't make much money. I mean, she this is in early 2000s. I think this was 2001. We moved to a new trailer. My mom never, even when she she died at 63 years old, I think she made 45000 So back then, she was probably making like 30000 33000 something like that. She never made much money, but she was very smart. She knew how to program. She just worked at a safe job, worked at the same company for 35 years. Shout out to Briggs Company. I saw all the potential my mom had, and it's part of the reason why I make the decisions I make now. She had so many skills, and she was so smart, but she stayed at the safe company she worked for for all those years because she was afraid to take the risk she was afraid to jump she was afraid to leap and try something else and i just don't want to be like that she could have made so much more money and not that money is everything but it is one of the main reasons why she was always stressed was money so i was going into ninth grade but i had already established my friends i was going to go to the same school from where I used to live anyway. And once I got to high school, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. There's a lot of people who are like prepared for high school and are like, I'm going to take uh, honors classes and they're going to do all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I just showed up. I, I would just keep showing up. I just showed up. I did my work, turned it in, but I was always struggling. I was usually like a C student for the first like year or two. But I would get, I was also younger than everybody in my class. So I graduated high school at 17 years old because my birthday is in October. And I was a late bloomer. I was only like 5'1", 5'2", 5'3", something like that, 100 pounds, maybe 120 pounds in the ninth grade. And I was very immature. I'd get things on my report card like, is a distraction to others, not following directions, things like that all the time. At almost every single report card. I was, I was, I was a class clown. I was trying to be funny. I was I had a lot of crazy shit happening in my life, so when I went to school, I'd try to be funny. But I'd always show up. I would still go to school. I always showed up. I passed every single grade. And when I got to high school, I had low self-esteem because I was smaller and because I was poor and I had fucked up teeth and a bunch of other reasons. And so when you have very low self-esteem and you feel like nobody cares about you or doesn't understand you, you just you almost close off. And I wouldn't really let anybody get close to me. But I needed to build self-confidence. So one of the things I did was I joined the wrestling team. Because because of my friend Dan Casino practically begged me to join the wrestling team. One of the best decisions I've ever made, by the way. Join the wrestling team. One of the best decisions. Because then I'm working out. I learned how to control my body. I learned how to defend myself. I learned how to take people down. Basically, you learn how to fight without actually throwing punches. And when you're going in a combat sport one-on-one and people are choking you out and you're choking them out and you're slamming and you're getting slammed, it humbles it humbles you. It instills a very strong work ethic because practice is fucking terrible. It's brutal. We're running steps. You're losing weight or you're trying to gain weight. You're getting slammed, choked, cranked, arms getting ripped back. It's brutal. But uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. I also played baseball and I did pole vaulting. Never made it over the bar in a meet. But my coach didn't know how to teach pole vaulting, so I had to learn from the other kids. When I got to high school, I I just knew that I needed to graduate. I knew that if I quit and give up and drop out, like a lot of the people in my family, 
and the people who lived around me that I'll just be in the same shitty situation that they're in. And I was like, fuck that. I do not want to be in this situation. I do not want to live this lifestyle forever. This is not for Joey. This is not for me. Oh, hell no. This is, fuck this. Not for me. But statistically, I was a poor white kid with no dad, on food stamps, welfare. My mom was on and off drugs. I would end up uneducated, in jail, on drugs, or dead. Statistically, that's what was lined up for me. And I didn't want to be a statistic. I did not and still don't want to be a statistic. I wanted to prove people wrong. I wanted to prove to people from a young age that just because I come from this demographic background doesn't mean that you are better than me. And anybody out there listening to this, if you are growing up or grew up in a similar situation to mine, chaos, yelling, drugs, alcohol, all that sort of thing, you don't have to grow up and do those same things. You don't have to be a loser. You don't have to have a shitty life for the rest of your life. If you're willing to put in the work and put in effort and consistently try, you can change your life. But you have to do it. I can't do it for you. I didn't want to be a statistic. I want to prove people wrong. I'd, I'd also like to point out, yes, my mom had done a lot of crazy shit. Things I don't want to talk about and I never really understood until I was older. My mom had a lot of horrible things happen to her, a lot of trauma. And she never dealt with that trauma. When you have a bunch of trauma and you don't deal with it and you don't face your demons, what happens? You start to try to cover up those demons or mask them or suppress them with drugs and alcohol. And then you make mistakes. You make a lot of mistakes. And if nobody ever tells you that they're proud of you or that you're doing something right, it can also fuck with you. You need reassurance. I needed to build self-confidence. Joined the wrestling team was one of the best decisions I ever made. Making my friends on the baseball team that I'm still friends with to this day. I finally was able to graduate high school. I was the last generation to go through high school, class of 2005, to not have social media. Now towards the end, around April, May, Exanga came out, and then eventually MySpace came out that summer. And I'm so grateful that I didn't have social media because I probably would've got myself in trouble if I'm being completely honest. You know, I wanted to be funny. My friends and I would get bored and we'd do stupid things. And I would've, I would've definitely gotten myself in trouble. I really feel bad for kids that have to go through school, high school, with social media because that's all they know. I, I'm 17 years old. I graduated high school. Woohoo! Yeah, I know that doesn't sound like a big deal to a lot of people, but to me it was a game changer because most people in my family didn't do that. They got their GEDs. Not that there's anything wrong with getting a GED, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get my GED. I wanted to walk across that stage. I wanted to feel that diploma. I wanted them to hand it to me. I was hyped. But what am I going to do now? I'm not going to go to college. One, I wasn't mature enough to go to college. Two, we were broke. My mom wasn't going to pay for it. Three, I would have failed out immediately. Immediately would have failed out. So I joined the Navy. And I didn't join the Navy because I was like, oh, I'm going to go kill some terrorists. I joined the Navy for very personal reasons because I was broke. I didn't know what to do with my life. I knew that I could get training and I could make money and I could leverage that to make a better life. I knew I could travel some. I did less than two years. I was able to get out early. I was on uh, CV-67, John F. Kennedy. And my ship was one of the last ships to be decommissioned that was just steam. So now they're all nuclear. So I was on an aircraft carrier with men and women, 5,000 men and women, and they had to send them somewhere. And I was lucky enough to be given the option to go to another tech school. I could have went to any base I wanted to. I could have went to Guam, Hawaii, uh, Japan, Okinawa. I could have went anywhere in the world to any base. This is a very rare opportunity. But I told them, I asked, I said, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do this anymore. I wanna go to college. And a part of me wishes that I did stay in and just complete it the four. But then I wouldn't have done all the things that I'm about to tell you that I did. So it really worked out, one being I met my wife. I'm just very grateful that I was in this situation that I was in, it was good timing. I was able to get out with an honorable discharge. I said, can I keep, can I get my benefits? They said, we'll give you most of your benefits. I said, we pay for my school, we'll pay for most of your school. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'll take that. So I was able to get out of the Navy. And what the Navy taught me was discipline. It taught me how to be respectful. It taught me how to be self-sufficient adult. 
how to make doctor's appointments on your own, how to show up to work every day. I did a lot of personal growth in the Navy. That's what it was for me. It was a personal growth journey and me learning what I wanted, but more so what I didn't want. I saw what I didn't want. And I was like, fuck that. I am not doing X, Y, Z because I don't want to end up like you or that guy or that person. Fuck that. I don't want to do that. So I was able to get out of the Navy. I got out of the Navy, honorable discharge, but where am I going to go? Came back to Delaware and I wasn't going to move back in that trailer with my mom. So I moved in with somebody and I'm not going to go into detail about that, but I lived with somebody for about six months, rent free. I gave him money here and there, but I lived with somebody for about six months until I was able to get an apartment. So I couldn't afford my own apartment on my own. I got a job doing security, shout to Fred Melkier, making uh, like 12 bucks an hour or something like that. But I couldn't afford $900 a month. But what I could afford was $300 a month. So if we got a three bedroom apartment, split it three ways, 300, 300, 300. And then we split the utilities. But we split it, it was probably around, I don't know, 400 to 450 total every month, which was reasonable. So for the next seven years, seven fucking years, I went to school full time. I worked full time. I'm Worked out full-time, tried to eat clean, partied full-time, paid all of my bills full-time. You know, I'm talking car insurance, phone bill, car payment, credit cards, everything I paid for. It was amazing. It's something that built me to who I am today. The experiences that I had living with my friends was something I... I'll never forget. It was the funnest time of my life, I could tell you that. But yeah, I had to be disciplined. But what I wanted to do was like, I'm gonna graduate college. I'm gonna get a fucking bachelor's degree to prove that just because I'm a poor, dumb white kid from the trailer park, I can do it too. To all the stuck up kids I went to high school with. And guess what? I fucking did. I fucking did. I got a bachelor's degree, 2012. And then in 2014, I got a master's degree in information systems from Wilmington University. Getting those degrees was, was something that I needed to do to prove to myself that I could finish something. That I had the discipline to get through something difficult. Because there were so many nights that I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to write this paper. I don't want to study. I don't want to go to class tomorrow. All I want to do is party and hang out with my friends. And, and on top of it, I got to pay my bills. It was very stressful. Very, very stressful. But I'm glad I did it. Makes It builds character. Builds character. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to school. Because honestly, I don't think I really started learning until I got to college. I did my first three years at Dell Tech to save money. And I had to take these prerequisite courses. Because my reading comprehension wasn't there. And I have bad ADHD. But you can get through that if you do have uh, those disorders. You just got to really put in a lot of work. But I didn't, in my math class, I had to take the basic math class to teach you so you can actually take a class that can't. So I took two classes that didn't even count as credits. I had to do the whole semester in them. But guess what? They worked. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And the thing was, I knew all of it, but I needed a refresher. I had also been out of school for two years in, in the Navy. So it's like you don't remember all that stuff. But it really helped me. So don't. If you're, if you're in school, if you're listening to this or you're thinking about going back to school, and you, just take the prerequisite classes. It'll prepare you so you can actually pass the real class that you need to obtain the degree. Once I graduated with a bachelor's degree, it was actually slightly before that, I was able to get a, a job at this engineering company. First, I did an internship uh, at Seco, substation engineering company. Then I eventually got this job at DSI, Duodag Services. It's a German company but it was in Kennett Square. And I worked there for two years. And I was like 23, 24, somewhere around there. I think I was 23. And so I'm, I'm working, I'm working now a real job because I have a bachelor's degree. I'm working a real job. And what, what that taught me was project management and responsibility. I also started a trucking company for about a year. My brother was the driver, made some money, but uh, not gonna do that anymore. And so I worked there for two years until eventually when I was 25, while I was working towards my master's degree, I was actually recruited by uh, JP Morgan. I guess they saw my resume and some stuff online. I got called up. They said, hey, you want to come in for an interview? I was like, damn right, I want to come in for an interview. So I went to this 
interview at JP Morgan, the biggest bank in the world. It's the hardest bank to get into. It's like we're all it's like we're all the kids that I felt were making fun of me and looking down on me in high school. This is where I thought they would be. They weren't, surprised. I was like, yeah, look at me, trailer park kid getting an interview at JP Morgan. Guess what? I fucking got the job. Beat out a bunch of people, by the way. Shout to Rod Cologne for getting me in. Jim Taylor, shout out shout to those guys for getting me on, man. They changed my life. They didn't even realize it at the time. They changed my life. Once I got to JP Morgan, you know, I saw what it was like to work in real corporate America. Now, I, I got a good head start. There's two and a half years working these engineering companies. But now I'm working at a legit company doing marketing. I was like, I got hired as a campaign manager doing acquisition operations. But it was a bunch of stuff to do with marketing. So that's where I started learning marketing. And this was in 2013. So that, that was 10 years ago. Wow. It was a learning experience. So for the first two years, I learned how to talk corporate because there's a different way to talk corporate. I learned how to communicate more effectively. I learned how to be taken serious and to stop fucking around and joking and stop trying to be funny because when you got to present in front of a bunch of people and they are dead fucking serious because it's a lot of money, you got to be prepared. You know, if you want to start your own business, being in corporate America helped prepare me to be successful to where I am today. In 2014, I did graduate with that um, management information systems degree. It was an IT degree. Yeah, I also want to call out something that I did that not many people know that I did. So my friend Fred moved out to California in 2012, I think, or 2013. And he's working for Tony Robbins. And in 2014, I'm battling my demons. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and I wanted to get better. I made a few mistakes in 2013 that I'm not proud of and I'm not really going to talk about. And so I needed to, to cleanse myself and, and, and just really think about what I wanted in my future. I was about 25 years old, 26 years old at this time. And I decided I'm going to go to Unleash the Power Thin because Fred had told me about it. He told me how it's four days, 12 to 16 hours a day just doing some internal digging and analyzing your life and thinking about things that make you very uncomfortable and thinking about things that make you happy. Like, hey, I want to do X, Y, Z to make my life better. I walked on fire. I walked on hot coals. Um, did a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of self-growth there. And when I was, it, it really did change my life. A lot of people talk shit on Tony Robbins. That changed my life, that event. Because it made me have a clear vision of where I want it to go. And if I wanted to get the house I always wanted with land and a pool and acres and the woods, and I wanted to have a family that I never had and a wife and kids that I was gonna need to be focused. And I needed a clear vision and that's what it helped me do. So I was still living in my apartment in 2014. And then I talked to my girlfriend at the time, Brittany, I told her what I wanted to do, and I was serious about it, and I said I'm going to use my VA loan, my VA loan to buy a house. So in 2015, I bought my starter home. It's a beautiful house. It's three stories. It's a great starter home. And we did a lot of renovations. I learned a lot of DIY during that process. I built my first bar in the basement. I mean, we redid everything. And then in 2015, I got promoted to my next position where I was a project manager. And I actually had a job, not many people can say this, I had a job getting paid to manage an information system. So that was pretty cool. And that was in 2015. Also in 2015, I proposed to my wife and in 2016, we got married to Brittany, Brittany Veo, now Brittany Cyani. 2016 is also the year that I got my first scalp micropigmentation treatment. I had started researching it in 2015, but then I finally pulled the trigger in 2016 and got that done. I was like, I came back to Delaware. I was like, no one's doing this shit in Delaware. This is genius. Why, why isn't anybody doing this in Delaware? I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had already started the trucking company in 2012. I want it to be my own boss. Corporate America is great, it's safe, but like I told you previously, my mom never took risks. I'm a risk taker. I have, Yes, I have a house, I have my wife, I have bills. However, I wanna make more money and I wanna be my boss and I don't wanna be controlled. But I just saw the potential. I was like, there's so many people struggling with hair loss. And so I thought about it. 
I did the math and I talked to my wife and I said, look, I just, I want to start my own business. I want to start my own business. And she wants to have a family. And I get that. I was like, but I need to try to start the business before we have a family because it's going to be chaos. Just like the situation I'm actually in right now. But see, I did this several years ago. I used my vacation days and I went down to Washington, D.C. And I trained with Dan Yurenberg at Scalp Aesthetics. I think he's now called Black and White by Dan Yurenberg. But back then it was Scalp Aesthetics and then Scalp Allure. And I learned Scalp Micropigmentation, but that doesn't mean you're going to be a good artist. What that means is you learn the skill. Now you have to apply that skill. And if you want to apply that skill, you have to do SMP. So I went down to Washington, D.C., got trained, came back, was doing it out of my house on friends, family, whoever would be a guinea pig so I could build up my skills and portfolio until eventually my wife said, you can't do SMP out of this house anymore. I don't want strangers coming to the house, blah, blah, blah. So in 2018, I put in my deposit to get my first location, which is unit three. We're now in unit 16, same complex. And my my thought process at that point was, if I just make one sale, if I can just make one sale, I'll cover the rent. If I make one sale, I'll cover the rent, I'll cover the utilities, and I'll be good. I'll basically be doing it for free, but at least I made one sale and I can build up my portfolio. And at the time, nobody was doing this in Delaware. In fact, not there was probably maybe 20 artists in the country at the time in, in 2017 2018 for the next two and a half years i would work my regular job my corporate job and then at nights and on weekends and i'd use vacation days i'd come in to delaware smp and i would do procedures but I never showed my face during the market on the marketing on my Instagram because I was I was afraid that my coworkers would see that I also had a business, even though I wasn't friends with them. But I was I was paranoid, and it's not to say that you're not allowed to have your own your own business if you work in corporate America because there's plenty of real estate agents and, and accountants and people who have side hustles. There's plenty of people with side hustles in corporate, but I just didn't want my boss or anybody to think that I was in the neglecting my work here at my quote unquote main job and just work focusing on my business. So I kept it hush and I feel like it kind of hurt me by not showing my face and just showing work because getting your face out there is part of marketing. It builds rapport with people. So I started marketing my ass off and I would work as much as I literally could because one sale would cover the bills. 2019, I've been in business for a little over, like actually paying customers for like a little over a year year and a half, something like that. We sell our house. I have to move in with Brittany's parents because we're not able to move into my house. My house that I'm in now, much bigger house, until early December. I think it was six or seven weeks. We had to live with the parents and we used the storage unit and we put all this stuff in the basement at the shop, trying to save money, you know, it's a pain in the ass. We walked through like a hundred houses. I wanted a yard that backed up to the woods. I wanted flat land. I wanted a bigger house, four bedrooms, which I got. The pool is just not a bonus. I have an in-ground pool, acre and a half that backs up to about seven, ten acres. There's a pond or there's a stream back there. I have a lot of privacy, a lot of privacy. We're at the end of a cul-de-sac. I love it. I am so fortunate and so lucky to have started my business, be able to make enough money to then sell my house for profit and buy this new house. All before COVID hit, because once COVID hit, that my house jumped up. Woo, that house jumped up in value. I was, bam, right timing. I had good timing, baby. I had good timing. I'm a lucky motherfucker sometimes. I'm, well, was I lucky or did preparation meet opportunity? That's the real question. I think it was preparation meet opportunity, but damn, I was praying you know, to whatever, whatever would listen to me. Aliens, gods, fucking everything. I was praying to everybody. It worked. It fucking worked. I'm willing to do things that most people aren't willing to do because I, of where I grew up and how shitty my life was as a kid. I was like, well, if I just do X, Y, Z, I can make my life better. I'll backtrack. Something I learned from my friend Fred when I was uh, in ninth or 10th grade, he said, I'm not smart. I just work hard. I was like, what? 
Let me say that again. I'm not smart. I just work hard. And at the time, I really didn't know what that meant. But eventually, it came to fruition. And I'm, I realized, oh, so if I just actually apply effort and I actually try to learn this shit and get better, I actually will learn it and get better. Because I was always trying to do the bare fucking minimum. I was always trying to take the easy way. What's the easiest thing to do? I want the easy way, the easy job, the easiest task. I never really wanted to, to work. But then once I realized, wait a minute, if I do actually work, work out, work on my education, work on my diet, work on my everything, mental health, I can actually make change. I don't have to be a broke idiot. I don't have to be a trailer park kid forever. I was like, fuck yeah. So I, I, that was another thing. It took me years to develop the skills. But that really changed my life. Thank you, Fred Melchior, for that. Seriously, thank you, Fred. That changed my life. And we all have incidents in our life where we had a conversation and we met someone, talked to someone. And at the time, it doesn't seem very significant. But then you just keep overplaying, keep replaying it in your head over and over and over again until you just learn from it. So I just told you kind of how I started the Delaware SMP. But I want to backtrack a little bit. So after I got married in 2016, I was doing a lot of motivational speaking. So in 2014, after that Tony Robbins seminar, I was volunteering at the YMCA and I was speaking once a month and sometimes more than that to what's called adjudicated youth at the back on track program. And it's kids who they steal something, they get in a fight, they get kicked out of school, uh, a lot of stupid stuff. They do stupid petty crimes, fights, shit like that. And a lot of them have a similar background to me. So I was going into the hood in Wilmington, and I would speak to them. And I'd say, look, my life sucked too when I was a kid. I fucked up. I'd tell them how I fucked up, and I explained how I got my life on track. Hopefully, it affected them. Anyway, so I did that for several years, like seven, six or seven years. I did that until COVID. But during that process, I wanted to keep getting better. So before I started the SMP business, I did something what's called Toastmasters. And what Toastmasters is, it's about being a competent communicator. So working in corporate and presenting to upper management, top dogs, you know, making half a million a year, you got to be sharp. You got to be on point. You got to be ready for whatever. And you got to be a very effective communicator. And so I joined Toastmasters. And what Toastmasters is is you give a series of speeches, 10 speeches, and you write these speeches, and they're seven minutes long, sometimes seven minutes, 30 seconds. And so you're writing a speech about whatever topic you wanna to write about, they have a guide in the book, and you're giving it in front of people. This is after working hours. And you would go up there and people would count your ums, your butts, your body language, was it closed off, was it open? Your vocal variety, where you just talking like this the whole time, or were you talking and changing your vocal variety and changing it up? Were you in, were you commanding the room? They judge you on everything while you're while you're up there pouring your heart out because a lot of them are very sensitive topics, and then they sit there and they roast you. They fucking roast you in Toastmasters, but I was good at it. You know why? Because I didn't give a fuck. And hopefully, you when you stop caring what people think. Use it to, to get better, but when you really stop caring what people think and you just do what you like and what you want to do, you don't have to worry that much anymore. It just takes a huge anxiety relief off of, off of you. And so I would go up there and I just, kind of what I'm telling you now, I'd tell stories about my life in much greater detail and in a different way and in seven minutes. And I did so well that they said, hey, Joey, you want to enter the humor speech contest? I was like, what's that? Like writing jokes? So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. So 2016, first I gave a speech. The night before on a Friday, I gave a speech at a high school. Shout out to Kim McNeil. So I was tired and I didn't practice my real speech because you need to have this memorized. So then I go to the humor speech contest, 2016. There's 100 people staring at me. I'm on stage. Everyone's looking at me. I'm not as prepared as I'd like to be. And I'm basically doing a stand-up routine. It was a good one as a speech, but it was kind of like a stand-up routine. And I locked eyes with my wife, my biggest cheerleader. Brittany is my, my biggest cheerleader. I lock eyes with her on stage, and I have a brain fart. I'm like, 
oh shit, I forget my line because I locked eyes with her and I froze and everyone's staring at me and I'm like, I wanted to just run out of the room, open the back door, go hide in my car. It was terrible. People hate public speaking. It's the biggest fear amongst individuals year after year over spiders, over death is public speaking, believe it or not. I swear to God, public speaking. It's the biggest fear. But when you don't care what people think, it's not that hard. Um, but you, And you can get better at it. So I ended up grabbing my notes, going back on stage, and finishing. I ended up getting third place. And people clapped, all that, cheered for me, whatever. The following year, 2017, they have what's called the International Speech Contest. And this is for inspirational speeches. And this means every Toastmaster group around the world. So there's different chapters all over the country, all over the world. Kind of like a little league, if you were to, okay? Or the Olympics of public speaking is how I really like to describe it. It's the Olympics of public speaking. So I entered this contest and I compete with everybody at Chase at, at JP Morgan. And this, there's a lot of people, by the way. And I get first place. I'm like, woohoo! Okay, I make it to the next round. I'm competing with, I guess, the tri-state area. Uh, people from Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Philly, uh, Virginia, that kind of thing. And I beat all them. Then I make, and then I'm, I'm up there and I'm giving my speech. And all I need to do was get first place here and I would move on to compete for the world title. Which is fucking insane to say. But it's true. I got second place. And I wasn't happy because I thought I was better. And I still think my speech was better. I think they gave it to this guy because... It was his last year. He did 40 years in Toastmaster, and they just gave it to him. Whatever. So I wasn't jumping up, cheering for them because I felt like I got gypped. So I'm just standing there. I get my trophy. I smirk a few times, taking the pictures, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what they expected. These people never competed before. But I was re- I'm was I'm up there trying to fucking win. All right? Not only am I trying to win, I'm trying to tell my story. And let me back that up. I'm not trying to win, but I know that my shit's better. I want to tell my story. I want a bigger platform to share my story because my shit was fire, as the kids would say. And next year happened, 2018. I'm going to enter this now. And I've been thinking about it all fucking year. And I was training. I was getting better and better at public speaking. It's 2018. I enter the same contest. I win again and again and again. And now... We're competing for the division, which is like a little bit bigger than the tri-state area. People traveled, whatever. And I had to leave to go to a wedding. It was April 9th, 2018, I think. I, I did my speech and I watched everybody who was in my competition speak. And then I said, hey, I got to go. If I win, you know, call me and, and you know, because then I'm going to advance to the next round and compete, you know, hopefully compete for the world title. And I had given speeches at, in front of uh, all hands meetings, if you know what that is in corporate America, like the whole department, uh, several times at J.P. Morgan, in front of people who I always thought were stuck-up snobs as a kid, but now they're my peers. And now, not only are they my peers, they're looking up to me for advice. Me, Charlie Park, poor kid, Joey, fucking Cyani, no dad, just blows my fucking mind blows my still blows my fucking mind and the same fucking thing happened and i feel like i was gypped and i'm not going to go into it but i really feel like they didn't want me to win and they deliberately gave it to another person who stayed there the whole time whose speech was damn near plagiarized if i'm being perfectly honest saying somebody else's speech i mean she stole a lot of material mine was completely original and you could tell that it still bothers me because I'm still talking about it. Uh, yeah, I think they deliberately sabotaged me, but that's a whole different story. I, I take extreme ownership. Whatever it is, what it is, doesn't matter. Because now I'm doing SMP and I can use all the communication skills that I learned in Toastmasters to now do my marketing. And that's also why I'm doing a podcast. And people always say I got great communication skills. Well, it's because... For like three years, I did Toastmasters, and I practiced, and I watched myself. I record myself, I watch myself, and I would make the changes necessary to get better. And it's, it's nobody likes hearing their own voice or seeing themselves on camera. Well, most people don't. It's just brutal, people. It's brutal. 
but I did it. And it made me the communicator I am to this day. It's 2020. We'll, we'll jump now back to my life journey to how I got to where I am. It's 2020. It's COVID. I'm able to walk away from JP Morgan Chase. I'm able to walk away and do scalp micropigmentation full time. Okay, so it's almost been three fucking years I've been working for myself, believe it or not. Three years. Had to get my own benefits. All of it. All of it. And then in 2021, it's very scary, by the way. It's very risky. I don't recommend it to everybody. Uh, I'm a freak a little bit. I know that. And there's nothing special about me. It's just I'm driven because I got a chip on my shoulder because I hated the environment that I grew up in. I hated my early life. And I wanted to prove people wrong and prove to all the people who doubt me, all the one who called me stupid and everyone who made fun of me that, hey, you're not better than me. There's nothing, you're not better than me. I just got to do the work. I have, now somebody who started out with a nice house, both parents, they go on, uh, they go on um, vacations, their parents got money. If you need them, they pay for their bills, they pay their car payments, their phone bills, all that sort of thing. I got to work twice as hard just to catch up to where you're starting. But guess what? I'm going to catch you, motherfucker. And I'm going to fucking lap you. And that's what I've been doing. And I'm sorry if that sounds cocky. But I've had a lot of people in my life talk shit. And that's why I am the way I am. Because I wanted to prove those, those people wrong. I wanted to prove them wrong and I did prove them wrong. And I'm still coming. I'm still growing. I'm not done yet, motherfuckers. I am not done I am not, I'm starting my, this is the first fucking episode of my podcast. And I got some other shit cooking in the pot. This is, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I got plenty of life to live. I don't plan on dying anytime soon. Joey Dots is here to stay. Dot Daddy Podcast is here to fucking stay. Whether you like it or not. So anybody out there listening to this, tell your haters to fuck off by just dominating life. Frank Sinatra said the best revenge is massive success and he was right because none of them motherfuckers can say shit to me now. Pooh! I'm a little bit crazy, as you can tell. Uh, and you got to be a little bit crazy to do all the crazy shit that I've done and I haven't even scratched the surface. I'm just trying to give you a high-level overview of my life so you can better understand why I say what I say, do what I do, and make the decisions that I make. I'm very into self-help personal growth. I, I don't think it's too necessary for me to just keep going on. You know, that was 2020 to get where I'm at right now. 2020, I walked away very risky. Don't recommend it to everyone unless you're super focused, laser focused, crystal clear vision. I had my son a couple months later, January 7th, 2021. One, another thing I do want to call out, I'm fortunate enough to where I work hard enough where my wife is able to not work and I pay for everything. It can be very stressful at times when you run your own business. But I'd rather my wife spend the time with my son and take care of my son than to put him in daycare and then we have to pay for the daycare. And then my wife has to work. It's way more stress. I'd rather just make one more sale a month or whatever it is that I have to do to cover the cost. Two more sales. I love being a dad. I absolutely love being a dad. It's my favorite thing in the world. Being a dad to me is one of the most rewarding and anxiety-driven things you can possibly be a part of in life. But I created life, and now i got to take care of him and, and guide him. I think the whole goal of being a parent is raising your kids to be self-sufficient so they can take care of themselves if you die. You basically are raising a warrior and a survivalist, someone who can thrive without you. That's what I feel parenting is at its core. You have a baby, you keep them alive, you teach them skills, you teach them how to learn, you give them love, you teach them how to be a good person, and then they are able to take care of themselves and be self-sufficient. If you're listening to this, my name is Joey Siani, aka Joey Dots, and this is the Dot Daddy Podcast. I've had an incredible journey, an incredible life to get where I am. But it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. My daughter's about to be born. I'm very nervous and I'm very excited at the same time. 
And I don't even care if anybody listens to this. It's just a way for me to get how I feel off my chest and give people an opportunity to talk about things that they want to talk about and tell their story. And I think creating a space for people to share how they feel and their opinions and their experiences helps everybody. I want to talk to interesting people who've lived interesting lives and who have interesting perspectives. People I find interesting. My name is Joey Siani, and I came from nothing. I came from a crack in the ground, a hole in the wall. I came from nothing. No dad. Mom in and out of drug rehab, all that sort of thing. Raised by my mom. Chaotic situations my whole life. If I can do it, if I can become a college-educated, successful entrepreneur, then you can too. There's nothing special about me. I'm a fucking idiot, to be honest. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a moron. But what I do is I work hard, I stay focused, and I keep showing the fuck up. I keep showing up, and I keep doing things that I don't want to do to make my life better. And that's the only way I got to where I am. Doing things I didn't want to do because I knew eventually it would pay off and improve my life. And you can do it too. The only person stopping you is you. I'm not stopping you. I am encouraging you to take action. Make your life better. You deserve it. Delayed gratification. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight, people. If you want to be successful, you got to put in the work consistently. Putting in work day in, day out, working towards a long-term goal that's going to improve the quality of your life and your family's life. And if you're not selfish and you want to make your life better because you have people that depend on you, then fucking do it. Get off your ass, stop making fucking excuses, and do it. Do something about it. Don't be a little bitch. Get the fuck up and take action. I'm Joey Dots. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. We're going to have a bunch of episodes and guests. I am so thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Daddy. Daddy.